Welcome to AACS Today, the official podcast of the American Association of Christian Schools. Thank you for joining us on this episode of AACS Today. I am Matt Tiskus, co-host and regional director for the Mid-South region of the AACS, joined by my fellow co-host, Jameson Coppola, who today is coming to us as we record this, when I say today, uh, from a little different uh, location. Jameson, tell us where you're at as we record this podcast today. Matt, I'm out of the office. I'm not in D.C. I should clarify, I'm still doing the work of AACS. Good to know. But I'm coming. Yeah, I'm coming to you uh, from Las Cruces, New Mexico. So for those of uh, our listeners who are unfamiliar with where Las Cruces, New Mexico is, it is very close uh, to the border. You actually flew into El Paso. You were you were in the great state of Texas and flying over it for many hours. You flew into El Indeed. Paso. Yep, yep. And so here you are. Uh, you're on the ground now doing the work of AACS. Uh, investigating perhaps the, what's happening at the border there, or or what are we that, what are we that, doing? That must be it, right? We're going to talk about the border today. I had to come down and take a look. That that's what it is. No, seriously, you said I I flew into El Paso, and you know I was looking at the map a couple of weeks ago when I was making my plans to be here, and I mean El Paso is essentially La, uh, uh, Juarez, Mexico. I mean, like it's it's almost one city separated by a fence, and uh, you fly in and you kind of look down over. Uh, both El Paso and Las Cruces, but I drove up to, uh, I'm sorry, Juarez, and I drove up to Las Cruces, but I'm not just here for the border. Nah, it, it It is interesting to me. I'm here at one of our schools uh, speaking at a spirit week. And so I'm up in Las Cruces, New Mexico at our school. Are you, are you bringing lots of spirit to them as you speak? You know, I'm trying to, I, I feel wore out because I've traveled a lot um, and I just finished speaking. I just finished with the middle school kids. Um, in fact, I think this weekend, um, the weekend of, the, of course, the time we're recording this, we're going to post some pictures of the middle schoolers and the high schoolers that I've spent the last few days with. So I hope I'm bringing them spirit, right? They're, they're a spirited bunch, good school here. One of our newer schools in AACS, uh, really honored to have been asked to come down and speak to the kids. And uh, so I'm not just here for the border, I'm not just here for the border bill. I'm not just here to check out whether or not, you know, we have a problem. I'm here to minister to our, our kids. That's good. Yeah. And, and for, for those of you who do listen, you realize uh, that Jameson in our recent episode was also in Atlanta. So here you are in New Mexico. So next time we record, I mean, maybe um, Honolulu. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, you, you can't talk to me about Hawaii. Let's not, go there. Some, yeah, let's, let's not, not go, go there. there. We'll just leave that one right there. Let's talk We're about save that discussion for another day, Matt, and tell our folks about the, the, the Hawaii dispute that you and I have. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Off, <laughs> off recording, off recording. Yeah, that's um, right. That's right. <laughs> speaking of the border then speaking of the yeah. border, um, yeah. we've had a border bill that has come to the forefront uh, here in Washington, DC, uh, why don't you give us just a little bit of background on what we saw uh, in that bill and maybe kind of politically what's really happening with this piece of legislation or proposed legislation? Yeah, it's it's been, you know, fascinating to observe this. This, this isn't completely in our policy area, but of course, because we we want to be effective 
in in the policy issues that we have, and that is religious liberty, education, family formation, and uh, um, and life. Right. This, you know, all of these issues in some way interconnect. Um, it's interesting. I am here in Las Cruces, close to the border. And uh, two days ago, a police officer was killed by an illegal alien. Mm. Um, I was talking to the administrator uh, this morning uh, before one of our sessions, and he, I asked him, you know, what's the city like? What are your families like? You know, what are you seeing? Uh, they they just spent, I think he he said, close to $100,000 on a fence around the school because of security issues. Wow. This year, they just hired a full-time uh, armed security guard for the school because of security. He said that the city has changed and it is because of illegal immigration. So, you know, this issue has connection to everyday people. It has connection to the families and the ministries that we serve in Texas and in New Mexico, Arizona, California. Um, and so it's not completely out of the realm of what we're concerned about as, as good citizens and as Americans. But the other thing about it is, you know, right now it's taken up a lot of the political energy mm -hmm. in the Senate and the House. And so we're kind of on the outskirts of it. We're not making it our main policy issue, but um, it is a pressing problem. It was interesting, too, that what was called a border bill contained a lot of funding for things that are not at all related to the border, if you will. So maybe tell us a little bit about that's that. That's one of the dilemmas. Yeah, that's one of the dilemmas, right? So if you think about it, if you break it down, um, we're, we, we combined defending the borders of two foreign countries, right? allies, friends, you know, we're, we're concerned about the people there. But we combined money for our border, uh, or, or at least a political play, a political discussion, crafting legislation, that combines money for our border with the border for uh, two other countries, three other countries potentially with Taiwan. So the Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan are kind of the three spheres of concern right now internationally. And a lot of people that are concerned about things at home here in the United States are saying, listen, just because there is kind of sympathy right now politically um, and maybe even in maybe an appropriate sympathy with the people of Ukraine and the people of Israel for what they're experiencing, we've got too many concerns at home to be considering money um, spent abroad. Mm. Um, and so that's part, part of the political calculus, right? I think they were combine, combined because generally there's more agreement about our country needing to support our, our allies in difficult times when they are under physical threat um, there was more political support for that than there is for spending um, uh, money on the border. Not, not because we don't think the border is an issue, but because the president already has the power to enforce our laws at the border and he's not. And so the, the thinking from a conservative viewpoint is, why are we going to give more permissions and more leniency and more money to administration that already has shown they're unwilling to enforce existing law. And then on top of that, why are we combining it with money for foreign allies to enforce their border? And so that's, in a nutshell, that's how I would describe kind of where we're at right now in the discussion of a conservative view versus um, a more establishment view of the now, issue. Now, this was a bipartisan um I guess we could say compromise in the Senate. Um, we had um, Senator Lankford 
Murphy and Cinema working on this mm-hmm. uh, for mm-hmm. months based on what we hear. We also know that the House actually did pass um, it, what is called HR2, uh, but that mm-hmm. didn't go anywhere in the Senate. So this has been something that's been discussed for a while. But what happened leading up to the release of it, you know, we were hearing about it, hearing about it. Some parts got leaked and it, it just when conservatives saw what was in it, uh, I think it upset a lot of people when. Yeah, uh, we'll go. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. When it was finally released. Yeah, we'll go back even further than that. You know, you mentioned HR2. I mean, months ago when the border was being talked about in meetings, uh, the more conservative of members of Congress and, and uh, really of, of the Senate, because HR2 passed the House. Uh, you know, we know that the process is now the Senate should take it up or could take it up, um, you know, to, to legislate on something important like the border. Um, the discussion was H.R. 2 is already passed by the House. That's what the Senate needs to pass. We're not interested in negotiating. We think H.R. 2 is the answer for the problems we have on the border. And, you know, friends of Senator Langford and generally Senator Langford is our friend. He's conservative. He's a Christian man. Great respect for him and the hard job that he's trying to do. But people warned him that this was a bipartisan trap of sorts. Mm. You know, I want bipartisanship so long as the people we are working these deals out share my worldview. Like we have to have some sort of similar objective goal when we create bipartisanship. We can't be so diametrically opposed as to what we're trying to accomplish, what the real objective is on these bills or else bipartisanship is it's meaningless at this right. point. And so if it's true that the Democrats want some sort of open border and there's lots of theorizing why that's helpful to, to Democrats um, and harmful to citizenship, harmful to jobs, harmful to security, harmful to like from a conservative view, um, you know, harmful. I, I don't know that Senator Langford ever, could have crafted a bill that would be acceptable to a more conservative viewpoint of what needs to be done on the border. And so a lot of his friends said, listen, this is a no-win situation. It's a setup. You know, don't go in there and think that you're going to try to fix this problem because the real problem is the Senate needs to take up HR2 and the president needs to do his job and secure the border. Yeah. And when the bill was released, I believe it was Speaker Johnson who essentially said that the bill was DOA, right? Dead on arrival. Um, they weren't, there, there, there was nothing that yeah. they were going to take up and even consider with it because it was so bad. So let's maybe talk about some of the things that were in the, in the bill that have upset uh, some conservatives. Um, the first thing that we can talk about was we were we were codifying that up to five thousand people can enter per day uh, illegally. So essentially, this was, you know, if it got to be more than five thousand, then the president could, uh, you know, step in and do something about that. But we were essentially saying, no, it's okay for five thousand folks to enter our country to break the law to come in illegally uh, each and every day. That's a problem. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's the devil's in the details. And you mentioned kind of how like this bill was negotiated in secret. There's all sorts of ways that people have been talking about the problems with the process that this bill was driven by, the provisions of the bill, um, the fact that the House had already spoken, they had already made clear. Johnson reinforced that by saying, listen, it's DOA in the House because we've already passed our bill. 
So if you want to negotiate on our bill, this is the starting point, like not some other starting point. And that's where we get all these things. There were leaks supposedly out of it talking about these $5,000 of 5,000 um, uh, illegal immigrants, you know, a day before an emergency um, uh, can be declared. But even then the president can cancel the emergency. There's, th listen, I'm, I haven't followed it deeply enough to be super dogmatic about it. But what was interesting to me is that when it was being leaked, the message, even from Senator Langford, sometimes on television, was that's not in the bill. Right. And it was in the bill. Now, I'm sure everyone has the reasons why they think they can defend their version of a political statement of why something is or isn't the way other people think it is or isn't. Right. Um, but the truth of it is this this changes our law to be more loose on an immigrants coming illegally into our country. And, you know, we people use the term catch and release, but it's really this idea that our, our immigration courts, our asylum courts for immigration were not built to handle the flow of people coming across the border and claiming asylum. And so I, I think they're scheduling court dates for years and years right. and years out. I, I heard one and I don't know if this is true. I, maybe I shouldn't say it because I don't know if it's true, but I heard up to a decade out. Wow. So people are coming across the border. They're being processed through immigration. When they are caught, they're being sent back out into our country with a court date, a significant period of time in the future because there's not enough immigration judges. And so from a Democrat perspective, we need more money to beef up the asylum system. From a conservative point of view, we want to go back to something like there was under President Trump where – you can't travel across multiple countries before you claim asylum. And that's what's happening. People are coming from all over. You see the videos. You see um, people from all over the world, different ethnicities and races, coming through Mexico across the border and then claiming asylum at our border. Instead of claiming asylum in Mexico or Guatemala or Venezuela or wherever, right. wherever else in the world they're coming from, they're not claiming asylum in the first country they get to. They're traveling through all of those countries and then eventually claiming asylum at the United States. So that's what we're talking about in those numbers. And it would codify a looser standard than we have now. And most conservatives say, now we should, the president should at least enforce the law that we have right now. Yes. And we need to make the, the system more stringent, not less. Yep. We want less illegal immigration. We want less immigration in general, some conservatives are saying. Some Republicans are saying, no, we need them to come in and fill jobs. That's kind of the uh, the business class of Republicans, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the corporate class of Republicans. They say, no, 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 immigration is a good thing. But there's a growing now minority of, uh, of um, Republicans that say, um, we, need not, we need less legal immigration as well. We've got to have time to, for people to assimilate into our country and we're not doing that at all we're importing people that don't have necessarily american values and that's not good it's not good that we're just importing people that we don't know anything about them and people just to get a job and and the the president is saying he doesn't have the authority or the yeah or the the president is saying he doesn't have the authority to do anything about it but but it seems like if we're going back to the trump administration that, that President Biden is not exercising some of the authority that he does have to curb this issue. What are your thoughts on that? Well, maybe he forgot he has the authority. <laughs> I mean, 
I've, I've heard reports <laughs> that, that he can't be held accountable for a lot of what he does, Matt, because he, he seems to be very forgetful in his old age. I think some of our students would like, would like to use that for their homework. <laughs> that, right. Yeah. 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 I'm too young and I'm forgetful. <laughs> President Biden is too old and he's forgetful. Yeah. I mean, that's what drove Mayorkas' impeachment. I mean, historic. I think it's been 150 years since the cabinet level official has been impeached. You know, some people have argued it should have been to his boss. Other people say, no, he's responsible for his dereliction of duty and for yeah. what he's choosing to do within his authorities. It's entirely appropriate to impeach him. People make an argument about, you know, an election coming up and and whether or not impeachment is a wise political move in an election year. But essentially, um, Republicans are trying to make the point that the border is a problem that the secretary, the president have the authority they need to stop this incredible influx of people that have not been vetted. We're not sure what their real purpose is for coming here for. And there's practically, we're practically, well, we are. The federal government is welcoming them across the border, uh, inviting them in, unvetted, unverified. So it is a crisis. There is no question. And so now bottom line is uh, we've done nothing so far uh, on the border, except I guess we could say impeach um, Secretary Mayorkas. That did happen just uh, mm -hmm. right before this recording, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so now moving forward, um, we see that the- Well, your state, you know, to your point, your state's doing something. I mean, that is if true. you want to talk about the border, I mean, your governor has said, listen, they're not only invading the United States, they're inviting, they're invading Texas. And where I have executive authority, I'm going to exercise yes. that. He's battling it out in the courts right now. The Supreme Court refused uh, to extend an injunction. Right. I think that a lower court had put on him. Um, but he said, well, you know, in a sense, try to stop me. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're we're going to enforce the border, and and, and the federal little, government, you know, will have to will have to just deal with it. A little background on that too: there was there was a push for counties uh, to declare an invasion at the border uh, to essentially encourage the governor to you know declare an invasion at the border. And so yeah. there were a number of counties across our state. We have 254. I don't know the final number, but a number of counties, including the one where I live, uh, declared an invasion at the southern border and uh, called on. The well, government. I love the American system for that. Right. We're supposed to have the most government at the lowest levels closest to the people because that can be most responsive. It's one of the reasons why I love sheriffs or constitutional officers. Right. They're kind of outside of the bureaucratic system and you know I'm, I'm happy to hear that it it progressed that way where the people that are bearing the most ill effects of the illegal immigration right at the border um pressured the governor to do the right thing and, yeah. and he's held firm a lot, of, a lot of governors have sided with him too yes they they've have. sent troops from other states yes interestingly enough in parker county our our sheriff uh was uh, also involved in that process of the declaration as it was presented to the county commissioners so mm -hmm. um, good. Anyway, are, there are some things happening in Texas, but from a federal perspective, we really haven't done anything a whole lot here to uh, make make any progress on that. So here we are now. The Senate has passed uh, a foreign aid uh, funding bill without any border provisions. 
So mm-hmm. what do you, what do you see, what are you hearing uh, moving forward as it relates to this issue? Well, I'm a bit out of the loop on it. I think that passed pretty quickly in the Senate. You know, I think the general consensus from, you know, I'll, I'll call it establishment type is that this was a win for Mitch McConnell. Uh, but I'm pretty sure Johnson has said that it's a non-starter in the House. And again, holding to the principle that we shouldn't be spending money to enforce other people's borders when uh, we shouldn't be spending taxpayer monies to enforce other people's borders until we can enforce our own borders. And so he, he's calling on the president to enforce borders. I think the House released, Johnson's office released like 60 some odd ways. There's a list. You can find it online like 60 some odd ways that the president is neglecting um, authorities and powers and ways he could absolutely take more control and have more uh, protection on the border. So, so I think, I think the, the, the bill, the, the foreign aid bill, I think from what I'm hearing is dead on arrival in the house, just, just like the border bill. Yeah. And the entire situation, I think, highlights a divide uh, within GOP leadership and the party itself. Um, so it's it's an interesting, interesting situation, and it, it's uh, going to shape and, and color a little bit of uh, the election that's coming up <laughs> very soon that we're going to be hearing about over and over and over again. And uh, the border, at least as we look at some of the primary races that we're facing in Texas, even for state house and state Senate, the border is one of the top few issues that our Mm -hmm. citizens are concerned about. And it really, at this point, every citizen should be, uh, you know, I think there's several senators who've said, you know, every state right now is a border state. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is a a true statement. So uh, a lot. Yeah. You mentioned that you mentioned the upcoming election. I mean, we'd be negligent not to mention how influential Donald Trump is in this, right? right? You know, a lot of what's driving Republican decision-making on the border comes from his articulated opinions about what should be done. So, you know, it it definitely is an election issue. It was an election issue um, seven years ago when Donald Trump was elected and it's, it's coming back as another election issue. Well, you're you're holding the fort down per se for us in Las Cruces, and uh, we expect to see maybe uh, a live stream with you in front of one of the fences, <laughs> kind of leading the way. You know, kind of a political ad, but maybe just more here. My name is Jamison Capole, and I approve of this ad. I'm here. I am at the border, <laughs> fighting for I'll have your to rights. Add that to my agenda. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got yeah. time before you fly out. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to go, though. I don't have a security detail or the means to protect myself there. <laughs> we'll make it happen. That we'll call our people. Reco- <laughs> might be the last recording you ever see from me, Matt. <laughs> that would be sad. That would be sad. Well, oh, um, we um, we will be praying as you finish up uh, your time there at the school in Las Cruces. And we're, we'll certainly uh, keep an eye on what else develops uh, with the border as we approach the election? I'm sure this is a topic that we will come back to uh, on uh, the podcast as we move forward. Um, we are we have we are looking forward to some really exciting episodes coming up on the podcast. So I hope that our listeners are uh, subscribing and uh, mm-hmm. sharing. Uh, we have uh, an interview forthcoming uh, with a, a state 
House representative from Ohio that I think our listeners are going to find very intriguing and engaging. Looking forward to that discussion uh, with Representative Click. And uh, so lots of great things happening on the podcast. Thank you for listening and uh, for sharing and for uh, subscribing. Yeah, very good. I I was just going to close out, Matt, with, you know, the other observation that kind of is tied in with all of this is the recent special election for um, the seat that George Santos held, who was expelled from Congress. Yes. And so, you know, Speaker Johnson, he's learning on the fly. Um, but he has now one uh, fewer seat. His margin is narrower now in yes. all issues. And again, I've encouraged our people to give him space. The learning curve on a job like that is so steep. And he's a he's a man of high character, mm. uh, Christian principle, good morality. And I know politically it can be expedient to use him as a whipping post, um, you know, a, a talking point about, right. you know, how he needs to lead better. He needs to do this. He needs to, everybody has an opinion. Um, I would, I would recommend people give him a little bit of space, you know, the on the job training for that, the training for that job doesn't exist. It's all on the job training. Right. And he's had very little time in any leadership capacity that has as broad responsibilities and powers as he's now facing. And so, you know, again, give him cover and support is my suggestion because, you know, he's the type of guy that I think is principled and is working for the principles that we as uh, conservative Christians support. Well, and the Bible commands us to pray for our leaders. So we ought to be doing yeah, in that any case, anyway. That's right. We ought to be doing yeah. that anyway. But in any case, yeah. But even more so, here we have uh, a man, a leader. Uh, who is uh, a strong believer. And so we ought to definitely be lifting up in prayer. Good reminder uh, for mm-hmm. me. Sometimes uh, I neglect to pray for we individuals. Yeah. Yep, like Speaker Johnson. So good. It's good. Yeah. add to that praise for um, Steve Scalise, another good man in Congress, uh, uh, determined to be cancer free. He was struggling with a blood cancer. So good news on that front in our leadership as well. That is good news. And you know what? I think that's a good place to end this episode of AACS today. We can certainly thank the Lord for those uh, like Steve who have um, recovered and been declared uh, cancer-free. That is exciting and a good thing because we know that cancer is certainly an insidious uh, insidious disease. So, Jameson, thanks for taking some time uh, out. I know with travel, it's difficult and to, to stay on top of the regular work that you have but I th- hopefully this has been helpful for our listeners to just kind of get up to speed on what's happening uh, at the border. And so uh, we'll be praying uh, for you as you finish up there in New Mexico. And uh, we look forward to having you and having our listeners back here with us again on a future and upcoming episode of AACS Today. Everyone, hope you have a great week and God bless. God bless.